Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Dafyomi. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. We are now in Masechet Shabbat Daf Nun Vav Amud Aleph, in the middle of the sugya of Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachmani quoting Rabbi Yonatan. Kol HaOmer Blank Chata Eno Elatoed. We are now at the uh, middle of it with the most famous entry here, and that is the entry of David. This will be the final podcast in this, the fifth parak. Uh, and let's take a look. As I mentioned, every one of these, uh, quote, exonerations that we have is not a full exemption, but rather a, uh, statement that, uh, the simple read of the crime should not be taken literally, but rather it was far less egregious, but the person certainly did sin. So the sin that we're referring to here is, of course, the episode of Pacheva. And what's the proof? Much, much earlier in his life, when David is made chief of staff of Shaul's army, it said the Pasuk describes David as being successful in all his ways, and Hashem is with him. Is it possible that God is with him and he sins? Of course, this is a strange comment, considering that uh, the description is uh, far earlier in his life. In any case, so we have to take a look both at the episode itself and, more importantly, at Natan's uh, chastisement of David in God's name. And he says to him, after telling him the, the parable of the poor man's you, and then he says to David, you are that man, you sinned, you etc. And take a look at the pasuk on the page. So why did you disgrace God's word to do evil? So the way we interpret it is, it should be kesh lasot meaning he wanted to do evil, but he didn't do evil. Meaning, yes, he took a woman who was married and had relations with her, but in retrospect, or retroactivity, she really was not married at the time, because of a reason that we will see in a moment. Amarav, rabbi da'ati David, David. And this is a window into the entire sugya. Rav says, rabbi who was a descendant of David, does what he can to darshan and to make David look better, as it were. And that's the meaning that the rasha that we just had was really from Rabbi. And we'll see. This, diff- this evil, this acting evil, is different than any other one described in Tanakh. Every other time it says he did evil. Kanktiv lasot, he said to do evil, meaning shbikesh lasot velo asa. This is Rebbe darshening b'schutei de David. And now we continue. It Uriachiti kitikitav acherev. So Natan says to David, "You had Uriah killed by the sword, because remember David sent a message with Uriah to Yoav, a sealed message, put Uriah up against the attack frontally, the, the, the city frontally, and Uriah, of course, was killed." Meaning, yes, Uriah deserved to die. We'll see why in a little late, in a little while. But you should have judged him correctly, which is by bringing him to Sanhedrin instead of having him killed at war. The next part of the line is you took his wife as a as a, a wife. Meaning, the drasha is that the marriage is valid, which means it couldn't have been adultery. This is the reason. That anyone who goes out to war in Beit David would write a get to his wife, as Tosfot here and 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 uh, and Ktubot uh, point out, means that the get was not immediate; it was conditional upon his uh, being killed or not returning after a certain amount of time, uh, which raises all sorts of other interesting questions. Uh, but what's the proof text for that? Tavi 
This is much earlier when David is still a shepherd, and uh, this is when he ends up at the front bend to battle uh, Goliath, when uh, Yishai sends him out to the front for that war. Um, he tells him to take this uh, cheese to the uh, general and bring stuff to his brothers and check that your brothers are alive and bring back a guarantee, literally. Aruba tamtikach, bring something back that proves that they're alive. But the drush is my aruba tam. It means things that are mixed up between he and she, meaning that what you're supposed to bring back, back is their kiddushin, uh, which ties uh, them to their wives. And it is to bring back a get. Okay, and now we continue. That you had him killed by the sword of the Ammonites. And the drasha is that just as you are not punished for any soldier who's killed at war by uh, the enemy, you're not going to be punished for this either. My Tama, so why was uh, Uriah deserving of death? So remember the story that David saw Bathsheba had her brought to him, he had relations with her, she got pregnant, and then to cover it up, he had her husband brought home from the war on the assumption that her husband would go home and have relations with his wife, and when nine months later baby was born, nobody would be the wiser. Uh, in the meantime, Uriah refused to go, uh, and valorously saying, how can I go and have a comfortable night with my wife uh, when all of my buddies and my master are uh, are out in the field, so he sleeps in the in the palace grounds. Because Uriah said to him, My master Yoav is is camping out in the field. So the fact that he called Yoav his master to David the king is itself the the sin of Mar Bamalchut. Okay? If you look at David's career, you'll see the only sin he had was this episode. Much later in Malachim Aleph, um, we hear sort of a flashback to David, uh, and hear that uh, this is an, an introducing Asah, the king, that David uh, was walked in God's ways with everything except for the uh, issue of Uriah. So it means he did sin with Uriah, but we're going to sin a little lighter. So this is not our Abaye, this is a different Abaye, found a contradiction within Rav's statements. Since when did Rav say that David's only sin was uh, the Uriah episode? That David accepted and acted on Lashon Hara. So the answer is Kashi. We have a problem here. Let's see what that Lashon Hara is about. Uh, so I have to remember that when after David had solidified his kingdom, he wanted to commit to uh, fulfill his promise to both Shaul and Yonatan to take care of their descendants, went around and found that Yonatan had one lame son named Mephibosheth or Mephibaal, and uh, went around to adopt him and brought him back from the uh, east bank of the Jordan and had him be a member of his household, and he fed him. Uh, and there was a particular slave called Siva who got him for him. Siva was a slave of Shaul's house, and so he restored all of Shaul's property to Mephibal and put Siva in charge of that property. Okay. <clears throat> Let's say the story. So David went and summoned and got Mephibal at that point. So So evidently what happens is that um, uh, David realizes that Siva, 
is a liar, why did he believe uh, Tzival later on? And we'll see what the episode is. And the and that's that's where he shouldn't have believed him. Dichtiv. Now this is after David has run away from Yerushalayim because of Shalom has rebelled, and then when he successfully returns, Tziva comes to greet him, and Mephibah is not with him. So he says, He said, he's still in Yerushalayim thinking that he's going to become king. Now, how do we know that David believed this and acted on that David at that point reapportioned things and said, I'm taking everything that I gave to him and I'm giving it to you. <coughs> uh, that's, that's Rob's take. So David, so David accepted Lashon Hara and acted based on Lashon Hara, and that was a sin. And in Sanhedrin, we have a piece of this, and that says that's why David spent six extra months as king, that he wasn't king, and that's why the Cheshbon comes out to really uh, 33 years and six, that the total was 40 years and six months, but he's really only king for 40 years because six months he was Mitzorah because of this Lashon Harat. David is not guilty of that because he saw that Mephibal really was probably uh, a bad guy and that's why he reapportioned things. Why? He didn't do it based on Lashon Harat, he did it based on his own observation. Now, interesting, this passage, which looks very favorable from Fibal, we're going to read very unfavorably. This is when Fibal came to greet the king, and he looked very unkempt. And, uh, so the, the gist of this is that if Moshet comes to David, and David says, where were you? Why didn't you come uh, to join me in my exile? He says, oh, my slave fooled me. He said, I'll get the saddle, the donkey ready for you, because you know I can't walk, I'm lame. And in the meantime, he took off without me. And um, and uh, and then he says, I, "I'd happy be happy if Tziva kept the whole property as long as you're okay." Which makes Mephibosheth sound like to be a great guy. So Marlo, <coughs> and now what's the underneath these words? I was worried the whole time. When are you going to come in peace? And you're taking my property away. So in other words, the way we're reading it is the opposite, as saying, "Look at me. I'm unkempt. I didn't. I was so worried about you. I didn't shave. I didn't bathe." In the meantime, you're taking my property away. I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at God who had you come back in peace. Where does that come from? He gets a different name. Uh, now, Meriv Baal should be interpreted as a good name. As somebody who does battle with the Baal, like Yeru Baal, Gidon. But Bechimari Baal Shmo is his name, Meriv Baal, and Fiboshet Shmo. And this is another example of Divrei Amim making drashot and giving people alternate names. Um, uh, like Mered and Efrat and all the famous names in, in Devarayamim that are drashot on their real names to explain something else about the personality. So why is Mephibosheth called Meriv Baal? Here he doesn't do battle against Baal, the god's Baal, but rather he does battle against his master. <coughs> so the Batkol came out and said, Natsa bar Natsa, you are a disputatious person, son, or really grandson of a disputatious person. Natsa Hadamran. Look at you, you're battling against your own master. Barnatz, the descendant of a disputatious person, he's Shaul's grandson. That's the famous Rashad that we already saw. That Shaul came and made a claim 
um, when Hashem said to the, to Shaul, go attack Amalek and wipe them all out, he came and said, what are you talking about? After all, you commanded that if we find a dead body, we have to do a whole ceremony with, um, with the Eglarufa in the Nachal. And here you want me to wipe them all out? Now, Sibop Shat and Vayarev is really short for Vayarev, which means to set up an ambush, but this works for the Drashat. So that his grandfather was like that and he's like that. So this seems to side with it's quoting Rav and seems to conform with Rav's earlier statement that David's did accept Lashonarain and had bad consequences, and that is that when he said, "You guys will split the field," God said, "Okay, now your kingdom will be split." So he says further that. Had David not accepted Lashon HaRa, the kingdom wouldn't have been split. And therefore, V'lov do Yisrael Avodah Zarah. Avodah Zarah is a wholesale piece, comes from the north, of course, and then of the northern kingdom, and then V'lo Galim Yatzenu. So it's a causal chain that leads ultimately to Galut. Okay, the second to last character we have here is Shlomo. And Shlomo is a more difficult one because his sins are quite explicit in the text. And they're not one-time sins like the story about Sheva that leads to the death of Uriah, but rather ongoing Avodah We did this like we did B'nai Shmuel. He was not wholehearted with God like David was. Meaning, he just wasn't as good as David. didn't really sin. So how do I read the Pasuk in, in Parakut Aleph? That when he was older, his wives turned his heart away from God. The answer is Rabinatan Rami Ktiva, he laid Zignat Shlomon Shavitulavo, we quote that Pasuk. But Rabinatan pointed out Vaktiv Kilvav David Aviv, the first Pasuk that says indic implies he almost he only failed to live up to David's level, but he wasn't a sinner. And what's the answer? He laid Zignat Shlomon Shavitulavo La Lachet, again that Lamed. Meaning, they tried to get him to go after other gods, but he didn't go. But the Pasuk says he built a, a an altar, or a high worship place, for Kamosh, who is the uh, god of Moab. So, how do we read it? Meaning, he wanted to build one, but he didn't do it. So, just like David wanted to commit adultery, but it really turned out not to be adultery, same thing here. In Yeshua Chet, when Yeshua builds that Mizbeach on a Harival, I mean, he didn't really build it. Same exact wording. We can't read that. Just like Yeshua built it, Shlomo built it. So how do we read that charitably to Shlomo? So this is a description of Yoshiahu at the end of the southern kingdom wiping out all of the foreign worship places. And it mentions the worship places that, that Shlomo had built. So the question is, You had the good king Asa, and later on the good king Yoshafad, who destroyed all of Odazar in the land. How, why didn't they touch this Mizbeach? Until Yoshiahu got there and destroyed it. They destroyed everything. The reason that we have the first king that did any of this and the last one who wiped it out is mentioned is to compare them. Just like Yoshio didn't really do it, but he got credit for the Lamed Shavach. I mean, he got credit for all the Orders are being wiped out because he did the last one. So similarly, the ones who built it weren't really the ones who did it. But they got blamed for it. 
All right, it says Shlomo did bad in God's eyes. This takes us back to the beginning of the whole sugya that because he should have stopped his wives from doing avodah zara and he didn't, it's as if he sinned. He, he makes the comment to said it would have been better uh, for Shlomo to be a servant for avodah zara rather than have this pasuk said about him that he did bad in God's eyes. But that's what it says. When Shlomo married Bat Paro, which is sort of the beginning of that whole picture, she brought in a thousand kinds of um, musical instruments. This is what we do for this Avodah This is what we play for that Avodah Zara. He didn't stop her. A famous Agadah, when Shlomo bared Bat Paro, Gavriel came down and put a stick into the water, Valabo Sirton, and then some land came up, and ultimately, that's where Rome was built. So Shlomo is the one who led to the building of Rome, which of course destroyed the Mikdash, second Mikdash. When Ravam put up the two calves, uh, one in Don and one in Beersheba, the Avodah then um, uh, there was a one little hut built in the North Mediterranean, and that was Greece. In other words, that our later enemies were sort of built by our own sins. The last one here is a little puzzling. That Yoshiahu sinned. Now, Yoshiahu is a great king. Why would he think he sinned? Because he's also called a great Baal Shuva. As we'll see. So we know that he didn't sin. He followed David 100%. So he didn't sin. There was nobody before him. And there was no king before him who returned to God with all of his uh, heart and all of his soul and all of his possessions. We'll see what that means. That what happened is he had been a judge, and he was since he was king when he was eight years old, he judged people, and then when he was eighteen, he realized that he was not really a fit to be a judge. So what did he do? He paid back all the people who he had found liable. You might think that he went back and just tore up the judgment and took back from the people who won. If it says with all of his possessions, he paid it from his own pocket all the people who he had found liable uh, to make up for what he had done wrong. Rav disagrees. He says Yoshiah was really a very big Valchuva. And there's one in our generation. Now we have a dispute who that is. Either Baraba's father, that's Abba, or perhaps the brother of Rav Yirmiya's father, whose name was Acha. They were brothers. So one was his father, one was the father's brother, and the father's name is Abba, and the brother's name is Acha. There's another one in our generation who's a great Balchuv, Mano Ukvan Bar Nechemia Beishkaluta, and Natan Tzutzita. He said, one time I was in the parak and I fell asleep and I had a dream in which I saw them reaching out from heaven to accept him this Reish Galuta who had done Shuvah, we don't know what it is they did wrong, but they did something wrong. And um, uh, 
and um, in any case, they are considered to be the height of a Baal Tshuva. Okay, in any case, with that, we come to the end of Perak Bameh Behemah. We're going to start Perak Bameh Isha in the next podcast and see what humans are allowed to wear uh, in Rishut Arbim on Shabbat. In the meantime, we should have a wonderful day.